Welcome back to the Mothers with Fourth Degree Tears podcast, where you will hear firsthand stories from mothers who experienced fourth degree tears in childbirth and hear from the professionals who work with them. My name is Laura Fry and I'm your host. I am the founder of the Fourth Degree Tear Support Group on Facebook and a patient advocate for women with severe tearing in childbirth. On today's episode, I'm honored to be speaking with Joe from the UK. Joe's fourth degree tear was almost 25 years ago due to a forceps delivery. Unfortunately, she had a lot of complications that she dealt with for over 20 years, which led to marital problems and eventually losing her job. And while her story is a difficult one to hear, it's also an encouraging one because through the power of social media, she was able to reach out for help about three years ago and has finally been getting the physical and emotional support that she needs. And not only is she helping herself, but she's also using her story, which was featured in the Daily Mail this past July, to help others like herself who have been suffering for years or decades, but also to help others whose tear maybe was not that long ago to go ahead and reach out for help sooner rather than later. So I'm really excited to talk to Joe. So let's go into her story now. Hi. Uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Good. It's so nice to finally meet you or talk with I you. I know. How weird is that? Connected through through um, not good circumstances, mm-hmm. but never mind. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for talking with me. That's okay. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, the year is 1995 and it's March and my baby was due on the 19th and um, I had a very good pregnancy. It was a first baby, a much awaited first grandchild. Um, Everything in my pregnancy was perfect until the last month when I had preeclampsia. Um, and then I was watched and my blood pressure was checked and I was in and out of hospital just for that reason. So then um, he was late and because of my blood pressure, they decided to induce me. Again, that that was absolutely fine. So I went in the day before and I was induced and um, obviously to start with it didn't work. And I was induced the second time um, about eight hours later. And then my labour started to progress in the early hours of the Saturday morning. Um, My labour was absolutely fine. There were no issues um, with it at all. It It was going along quite well. But then when my waters broke... They were meconium stained, so they said that the baby was in distress. That was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and they said that I should really have, um, I should think about having a caesarean. And again, I was a bit like, oh gosh, you know, that's not how I'd planned it, but, you know, what will be will be. So then they took me down to the labour ward because I was still on the um, maternity ward because I'd been induced. I arrived on the labour ward and they said they were going to keep monitoring me and hopefully I could 
not have to have a section. So the morning went on. I had an epidural because, um, yeah, you know, I didn't want to be in immense pain. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, like I say, absolutely fine, chatting away to my husband. Everything was good. Then it got to about 12 o'clock, about half past 12, and the baby's heartbeat was messing around. And the midwife was a bit concerned, and she said she would call the doctor to have a look. Um, when the doctor came, by this time, it was about one o'clock, and the doctor said, um, there's a problem with the baby's heart heartbeat, and this baby needs to be born immediately. Um, with that, it was all panic, really. It all turned very panicky. My husband... Um, he's quite squeamish and he was feeling quite ill and as they were wrenching my legs up into the the stirrups he passed out uh, which was like oh god and so basically they had to scoop him up and take him outside and sit him on a chair and for whatever reason I really still to this day don't know but my mother-in-law was outside in the corridor (laughs) and they called her in because obviously I didn't want to be on my own and Mm -hmm. by this time there was just me a midwife the doctor and my mother-in-law so she said she was going to have to use forceps and that she was going to cut me again I literally didn't really know what 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 that meant so um she was very tiny I'd say she was about five foot two and she had to put her foot on the end of the bed and pull with all her might on the forceps. Mm. And then I was being dragged down the bed because of the, the force of, of her pulling. So my mother-in-law and the midwife were pulling me back up. I can remember that quite vividly. And just remember thinking, how on earth can my baby survive this? Mm. Um, and she continued to do that. And eventually he came out. And he was fine. Um, breathing had his head still attached because I literally thought with all that pulling that he was just going to be born with his head off Mm. Um, he was fine he was handed to me um, and literally like everyone says you forget all what you've just endured and again everything was momentarily perfect Um, she told me the doctor that I had had a very nasty, so she'd cut me. And on top of that, I had torn very badly mm-hmm. um, and that it had included my back passage. Again, naive, very young, didn't learn anything about that at my classes. I just wasn't really thinking. Um, and she said that the kind of tear I had needed to be stitched in theatre but because it was a Saturday, um, theatre was very short-staffed and there was someone in theatre. So therefore, because I'd had an epidural and it was, I was still numb, she was going to stitch me in the room, uh, the birthing room. Again, I allowed this to happen because I thought that that was fine. And I could understand how she was going to do that because I was still... Um, numb from the epidural so 
uh, by this time, there's just myself, my mother-in-law and her in the room. Um, then she, so she started to stitch me and she um, asked my mother-in-law if she were to be able to help her. <laughs> I'm just having a drink of water, so if she would be able to help her and um, my mother-in-law agreed and she said, would you be able to put your finger up her back passage mm. <coughs> so that I can stitch around it well. to um, make it tight? So again, that's what my mother-in-law did because at the end of the day, this is a doctor and she's asked you to do something which you think, um, which you just go ahead with, don't you? So um, she did that and she continued to do the stitching. It's quite hard talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that happened and I was stitched and I thought that that was that done. So I'd been stitched. Okay, I'd had this terrible tear. She told me that. But she'd repaired it all and hopefully... That was that. We left the labour ward <coughs> and we went to the um, normal ward with everyone and settled down and began to enjoy our first few hours of our new baby. And again, everything seemed fine. I had some issues because I couldn't go for a wee. I remember that. And um I just thought, oh, perhaps that's quite normal. And then they said that um, that they thought that my urethra tubes had been damaged with the forceps. So they were going to put a catheter in. So I had to have a catheter, which wasn't obviously very nice. Um, but again, I just thought, oh, well, you know, that's part and part of it. So I had him on the Saturday, the Sunday, Monday was still in hospital, was okay. Tuesday morning, I was very unwell. I just felt extremely unwell. And um, they came round and I was crying. And I remember the midwife saying to me um, that it was the baby blues and it was quite normal to get that on day four, Mm. which, again, I kind of, um, agreed with that but then there was this awful smell terrible smell and um, and then the midwife said there's a terrible smell I think you you may have an infection I need to do an examination and with that they examined me and then they um, moved me to a room on my own because they said that I had um, an infection <laughs> and I just needed to be in a room on my own and then that's when things started to go quite wrong because the infection was so severe it affected my breathing I had to put on oxygen mm. I was very 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 poorly um, I became quite I didn't want to see anyone didn't want to talk to anyone didn't want to look at the baby um I just became quite distant. I was very hot. I'd have fans put on me. I'd got 
some pains in my legs, which they thought I'd got a thrombosis as well. So things were kind of like escalating into a quite a bad situation. And then I remember they wanted to have a proper examination um, <coughs> to see the infection. And that's when they found what they found. They found that my um, infection down below had um, eaten all my perineum. Again, I really didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> I'd eaten yeah. all my perineum. All my stitches had disintegrated. And I was left with um, just a gaping hole. <laughs> and I remember saying to them, oh, that's okay, because you, can you not repair it? Like, you know, can I not have some surgery to repair it? Right. And um, I remember them standing at the end of my bed, like, like sort of um, giving you that, you know, that very saddened look, saying, no, because um, it's like severed material that rips. You can't then stitch the severs. There's nothing to stitch. There was nothing there. Um, so it was going to have to have a granulation process, um, which would take quite a long time. And in the meantime, I had to um, care for the wound, be on laxatives um, and all that kind of stuff. And it was so hard to take in. Um, I really just did not know what was happening. So I'd got a catheter. I was on oxygen. I'd got a drip with all the antibiotics. I was um, got this gaping wound, and I'd got this baby, and I just literally just didn't know what I was going to do. Um, so they kept me in hospital for another four days, and then I remember them. They used to take um, my baby. They used to take him at seven in the morning because they would they let my husband come at seven in the morning and leave at eleven at night. And then they would have Elliot for the night time so that I didn't see him, have to do anything with him. Um, and then I remember they had a meeting and they decided that it would probably be best if I went home. They felt my recovery would be better if I went home. And I did want to go home. Um, so then I went home. But when I got home, I had to just have my days were just spent... Um, going to the toilet up to probably 20 times a day. Then after each time I had to shower, hair dryer, um, and it was just relentless, like, and look after a baby. Um, yeah. It was just kind of the worst time ever. And then I had one checkup at six weeks, and they said that the granulation was happening, but it was a very slow process, and... And that's, that was it. And then I never saw anyone again. And I never had any help. They knew what I'd been through. Um, the doctor knew that she'd messed up because um, during the time that I was put into the room on my own, she used to come to my room after her shift and she used to ask to flush my wound out with saline. And then when the midwife once, she said, oh, did the doctor just come in here? And I said, yes, yeah, she flushed my wound out. And it wasn't, she didn't write it in my notes or anything. And I think that she really knew that because 
of her action of not taking me down to the theatre to be stitched and my mother-in-law's ungloved finger, she knew that that's why I got the infection. Mm. And, um, yeah, so after that, uh, life carried on like that for about 18 months, really. Um, Then the granulation did happen. Um, But it was never, it didn't repair fully. The back passage did not repair, so it left me um, bowel, leakage, um, incontinent, just, yeah, just, that's it, I think that's all, I've remembered everything. <laughs> I mean, I can remember it, you think that's, it will be 25 years in March, and I can remember yeah. it as if it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's what, that that's that's more or less what happened and just then the wound like I say didn't heal up fully and that's what I'm left with to this day um but I mean obviously yeah I mean my marriage split up um my husband couldn't cope the fact that I'd gone into hospital as one person and come out with someone totally different all my time was spent with my uh, the the care of my injury was all I could think about, and my baby I had no time for anything else. So we split up, um, but we got back together. But yeah, so um, yes, yes, that's that. And so did you, I mean, I know you said you had the six-week checkup and that was pretty much it. I mean, did they do any sort of follow-up with you as far as, you know, seeing any doctors or specialists or? No, nothing. Nothing at all. I never saw anyone. I was never um, seen again. I was never offered anything. (coughs) I was, I suppose, really... um, I should have been the one to ask for more help. But I was so, I just wanted it to just go away. Mm. And I just, I really, really thought it would get better. Yeah. I I did think it would get, I never dreamt in a million years that 25 years down the line I'd still be having the problems. Mm. And maybe I should have been the one that pushed, I mean, the surgery they couldn't have done surgery until it had granulated anyway and then once that had been done you just don't want anything else to to happen you just and I was coping with a marriage breakdown trying to bring my 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 child up as well um I just felt I couldn't because also there was a complaint done about the doctor. So the hospital did contact me and they said that there had been four other ladies that had had problems, but mine was the worst, mm. and that they were going to do a, um, a complaint um, and they wanted me to do one as well. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't, I could not even get involved with that. I just wanted to forget that she ever existed. Yeah. Um so I decided, because back then you didn't do, there wasn't those sort of things. You didn't claim against your doctor. Nowadays, it's very, very different. But I decided not to. Um, and as it happened, 
the four other ladies, it was enough to get her. She wasn't allowed to then work in this country anymore. Mm. Um, so that kind of made me think that I hadn't imagined it all, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, that she was the bad person right. and she had done what she'd done. But I was not in any fit state to be doing anything like that. I was trying to, day to day, just trying to get on with my life. Yeah. Um, and it was very, very difficult, yeah. Some very dark, dark, dark times, but no help, no help at all. Mm. Yeah. And then at what point, I mean, I know now, um, you know, you're speaking out and you are getting help. Kind of at what point did you, you know, did you come to that, that you were able to reach out? So during the, um, so I had, a, uh, so then my husband and I got back together and I just, we decided that we wanted another child. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I had my planned section, which was amazing. But again, you know, the pregnancy wasn't good because obviously the incontinence was hard, having the extra weight bearing down and all that kind of stuff. But I knew I needed to do it and I had the section and then after he was born because it was such a lovely experience um, I started to feel quite guilty that I'd had such an amazing experience with him and such a hideous experience with the my first child mm-hmm. so I went kind of through um, I had some counselling at the doctors um, I had some CBT I just had things but nothing kind of just nothing helped nothing nothing was was working because what I really wanted was I wanted to talk to someone else that had been through what I had been through Mm. and there was nothing because there were no was no real social media then there was the birth trauma association which you could email um, and you could sort of like be in contact with people but it just wasn't like it is now Mm. so I didn't do anything about it. I had various counselling. I didn't even discuss with my family, apart from obviously my close family, but other family and friends had no idea what I was going through. So didn't know I was incontinent. They didn't know. um, They just knew that I'd had a bad time and that's it. So I just hobbled along in life. It took over our life um, day to day. You know, can't go. We didn't go on any holidays abroad because I couldn't go on the aeroplane because I couldn't risk the toilet situation. It would affect us going out for days out. So I do find that um, a lot of my life with my children when they were younger has has had um, it has had an, had an effect on that. I missed out on so much. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and like I say, so then um, carried on with life, tried to, and then as my uh, children got older and they got to the age where they were um leaving school and it was kind of like um wow like empty nest (coughs) and it was like I need to um do something for myself and my son had put me onto Instagram he thought that I needed to have an Instagram account (laughs) and I was like oh okay so um I went on there and um, I searched a few different bits and pieces and I remember searching birth trauma and I came across um, Emma, um, mumbologist, who was then 
asking for people's birth stories um, because they were thinking of starting something for birth trauma. And she asked if I would be interested in sending my story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay, hadn't really thought about it. So I wrote my story out. And um, how long ago was I this? Sent, so this would be three, about three years ago. Okay. So I sent my story and um, it was very um, difficult to, to write it because like now I'm really okay with it. But I, like I say, it, it, it's hard still talking about it. I can write it down. I can write anything down. Mm-hmm. So I sent her my story and um, we had a few um, messages back and forth. And, and then she... Um, said about the birth make birth better and would I want to be involved and I was like yeah absolutely and then I decided to send a copy of my birth story to all my family and friends on my Facebook private message mm-hmm. <laughs> and then literally my messages went mad because they had no idea mm. no idea I'd had to give up work nine years ago due to my injuries because the job I did, it was just too hard to have to keep going back and forth to the toilet. Yeah. So they they knew that things like that had happened, but they did not know why. And they had no idea it was all to do with having Elliot. So that was very therapeutic for me to do that because I was able to sort of like um, come out, if that makes sense, to mm-hmm. not be embarrassed anymore. So, like, they'd say, oh, we wondered why you wouldn't come out for meals and we wondered why you'd let people down at the last minute and they didn't know. And now they did. (laughs) And that gave me the confidence to think, no, I'm not going to be... Because I used to be embarrassed. That was my problem. Mm. I was so embarrassed. And then I thought, no, I don't need to be embarrassed because this happened to me this someone did this to me and I now need to help other people to to show that you can do something about it and through all of that and meeting people like yourself and all the groups that I started following on Facebook and that it just gave me the strength to be able to go to my doctor and say right I need to sort this out now um and that's what I did. So now I'm having physio. Um, I see the continence nurse. I'm seeing the colorectal surgeon in next month. And there are there are options and choices that I can make. And and I just wish I'd done it earlier. I just yeah. wish. I wish that that young that young girl that was so broken. And so vulnerable and was crying out for help. I just wish someone had just literally been there like Emma was to say, this this is this and there are other people that have been through this yeah. and here they are to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I know that it would have made such a difference to my life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've not had, I don't regret any of of bringing my children up and they had a wonderful childhood each of them but I do know that there was a lot missing and my mental health was really really not good yeah but you know you can't 
dwell on the past, can you? And I hope now, that's why I do so much speaking out, that my story can help other women, again, older women like me, mm-hmm. that, whose children, you know, like I just, I just imagined I'd have to live like this for the rest of my life. And I've had so many messages from women my age and older that just thought that that was it, that was their life now. Yeah. And to know that there is, there is help and, yeah, just, and to not, to know that these people aren't judging me, like, I don't need to be embarrassed. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, the, that's how I managed to, to get the help now, really, was thanks to Emma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you, I mean, obviously you're able now to help um, women like yourself who are years or decades down the line, but also I know you are helping a lot of younger moms too, um, to hopefully be able to, yeah, to reach out earlier um, so that they're not years or decades later still struggling. That's that's the one thing that I really, really want to get across and that's what I do say to the younger ones is I know that you know you've just had this baby you're trying to cope with all of that but do not leave it because you can get help Mm -hmm. mentally and physically and it, it you know the help is out there now and I would have given anything anything to have just had someone talk and say oh I had that and I had this done and go to your doctor and you can have this done and it's all going to be okay whereas I have had so many dark times where just literally used to just sit and just think I hate my life Mm -hmm. I hate myself how has this happened how how has this happened to me and like I say he was a longed for baby a planned baby I mean, the only worry I had before I went into hospital was, was my beautiful designer pram going to be delivered in time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's things like that that you think, oh, I want to go back to that girl again. Mm. I want to be that carefree young girl that all she was fretting about was her pram. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was going to go through and how that would then stay with me for the rest of my life yeah just through giving birth it, it's quite um it was, it's a big thing to get your head around isn't it yeah and you mentioned um just now your son which I love um you have talked about him that he is like your number one cheerleader <laughs> oh absolutely yeah um a lot of mums have asked me in, in messages that I get how how did it affect my relationship with my son mm-hmm. and that's a very good point because at first in that hospital laying in that bed hooked up to all those drips I used to look over and I'll admit it and I'll admit it to him and I used to think what have you done to me mm-hmm. like I came in to have you and you have destroyed me mm-hmm. what I was I did feel not hate but I just felt so (coughs) I just felt I don't know that it was his fault yeah and then 
when I got him home and fell hopelessly in love with him, I went through the stage of panicking that because I'd hated him, that something bad, I was going to be punished because I'd hated him mm. and something bad was going to happen to him. So that was bad because I probably spent, poor kid, up until he was sort of about 10, you know, if he was going on a school trip, I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is it. This is when something's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I felt that I, I had hated him. Like the midwives would practically put him under my nose and say, oh, you know, do you want to feed him and all this? And I thought, no, no, because I just, couldn't even look at him at times so um so so that was fine the love then does come of course it comes um then when my husband left us it was just me and him so it was just me and him against the world and we were like that together for three and a half years and um we were just best buddies and I then decided to um tell him um, he was 18 and we went out together for the day and I said to him you know because they just knew that I had mummy had a bad tummy she had you know mummy's problems <laughs> and you know we'd have to why why we had to race home from family events mm. and why we had to race home from days out and why mummy had to run off places um we just used to say mummy wasn't well so when he was 18, I said to him, look, I need to talk to you. And the reason that I'm not well, it happened when I had you. Because I didn't want him to feel that it was his fault because it's not his fault. And yeah. um, and we had to chat and he was sad for me, um, but he was absolutely fine. And from that day on, he has had my back. And we can go out places if we're all together um, and, and he'll come up to me and tell me where the toilet is. He'll ask mm -hmm. me if I'm okay. He knows, like, if I if I need the toilet. He just, he's just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, yeah, so mums have said to me, I'm so worried that my relationship with my child is going to be compromised because part of me did blame the child, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And no, you could not get closer than we are. <laughs> So, um, yeah, he's my, my number one fan. <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to hear that because it has been a question that a lot, a lot of people have asked me is that, and that's when I stress to them that absolutely it's, they won't remember any of that. None of all the hard times, they don't remember any of that. Yeah. There... Another thing I get asked mm -hmm. a lot is about, um the yeah about having another child mm -hmm. um because afterwards I asked to be sterilized mm. and um they said no because I was too young and I practically begged begged to be sterilized and they were like no, 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 no. you will want to have another baby and I was like I can promise you I will never and then of course you do want to eventually um some mums they really can't face it but I, I did. So again, that's another thing to know that you um, can, have, you know, to push to have the plans. I mean, I didn't have to push. Literally went in. He looked at my notes and said, "You can't give birth," and I knew that I was having a planned section. Um, but again, it's that's hard as well to think that 
if that hadn't happened to me the first time, then I would have probably gone on to have two more children. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't have had to put myself through major surgery. And yeah, but again, that, you know, I, you get you get through. If you really, really want to have another baby and you know it's going to be a planned section, then then you have got nothing to worry about. And, and that's what a lot of had a lot of ladies um, have been so frightened in their pregnancy because you get all the flashbacks happening. And I had to go to the same hospital to have my section. Mm. Obviously, I knew that doctor wasn't there because it was four and a half years later and she had gone. Um, but, it, I, you know, you still, as long as you tell the staff, you know, tell your maternity team that you had this terrible experience and you can't. So I put down that I didn't want any internals. I didn't want any internal examinations. I didn't want my catheter fitted till after I'd had my spinal. I didn't want anything down there happening to me. Um, I mean, obviously, if there was an emergency and they had to do an internal beforehand, then I would have allowed that. But that's what my plan was. And that's what happened. And it went very very smoothly yeah so again that's another question that I get asked all the time about having another child after a fourth degree yeah have you been um in contact with the MASIC um organization there I haven't no that's no. something that I um need need to do yes I, I I've, I've read about it now um like I say I hadn't you know I hadn't been in contact with anyone um so it's all sort of like coming together now and I'm mm-hmm, going right. to yeah 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 I've heard a lot of really good things about them um yeah they yeah. do a lot of good work and also it's um it's trying to educate the midwives and obstetricians mm-hmm. right that is the main thing for me like right. when I left that hospital that day um they knew I'd had a fourth degree tear. They knew it had come, um, you know, it's gone horrifically wrong due to an infection. And when I left that hospital that day, I was then never thought of again. And I really feel that they need to be educated um, right. about tears to the fact that it's not the end of it when you leave the hospital because so many women have so many problems with bowel leakage or full incontinence and 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 I do think that um that's the next step and especially with make birth better that they want to do as well is to to be mm-hmm. um even to have like their um work books you know their 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 books in going into sort of like hospitals for mm-hmm. for the midwives and obstetricians to to read yeah right definitely yeah yeah I know the the Masic Foundation they have um like education days yeah yeah Yeah, where they bring in a lot of providers um yeah I think that would be something that would be awesome for you to get involved in yeah just to know for them to see um you know I'm I'm quite different probably because 25 years nearly yeah Mm -hmm. and I'm still in a mess the same as a lot of other women are um you know, it's, it, it's, I never dreamt, like I say, if I'd have known back then, oh, I would never have believed you if you'd have said to me, you will still have problems 25 years later. And I wish that I had done the complaint, of course, 
that annoys me every day. <laughs> I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because but it makes oh, sense. You were, yeah. Absolutely. It would have been um, yeah. closure as well. And over mm-hmm. here, the, there were, the law um, is three years. You have to make a claim within three mm-hmm. years of a birth, um, of something to do with birth. And I feel right. that three years is not long enough because right. you are not mentally in that frame mm-hmm. of mind to be even thinking of that I just right. was I just was not um if it was now <laughs> I would do everything in my power because I had to give up my job so that's hard in itself because for nine mm-hmm. years uh, we've been down to one wage earner because I can't work um right and that's all through fault of someone else and that's hard you know we've had to miss out on holidays um because we just haven't been able to afford the things because I had to give up a good job. And I know a lot of people, a lot of ladies that have been in contact with me, they've had amazing jobs and they've had to, to, to give them up. And that, that's heartbreaking that their careers have had to end just like that because of giving birth. Yeah. Um, so again, I think that um, the claiming side of things should be um, extended. I went and collected my um, notes. That's another thing I did three years ago um, Mm -hmm. on my start of my journey was um, your paper copy notes um, in this country are destroyed after 21 years. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have a copy or I wanted to have them. So I went to see the head midwife and she did a read through, you know, like you can have one of those read throughs done, can't you? So she Mm -hmm. did a read through of my notes Again, I found that quite distressing, really. Um, and then I got a paper copy. So um, that was strange to read through those. It, and also when I got the notes, like um, just looking at the notes made me feel sick, made me feel mm. physically sick. And um, reading about what, you know, what happened and, and that, the different stages and just, yeah, it was good. Just and bad both together, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So if I ever, do. <laughs> yeah, if ever the law does change um, and you can claim there's an unlimited time limit, then I know that I've got my copy <laughs> and I would literally, uh, that's what I would do. And I don't know if you call that closure. I, I don't think it would be closure. It would just be just something that you need to do because, yeah, you know, it. it I should have done it in the back when they asked me to do it but I just didn't have the I didn't have any um you know effort I just it was an effort to even live day to day let alone do anything like that (laughs) so yeah 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 it helps to fill in some of the gaps that you have from your from your memory yes Um, yes yeah it's just (laughs) the 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 mental side of it the mental Mm. torment of and just to know that, you know, when you go to get help eventually, these people deal with this. That's their job. So you have got no reason to be embarrassed because they deal with that every day and they're just there to help you. And if only I, I, I really kick myself because I need to go, even if I'd gone 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to, to have known I could have got help would have been amazing and that's why with 
all the like sites and everything with everyone talking telling their stories what operations they've had what tests they've had what that's how that's how everyone copes nowadays isn't it because you know what's available right and that's what i've found has been out of all the cbt i've had out of all the counseling i've had out of everything you know i've sat opposite um a lady who's having cbt i mean she was a lovely lady I couldn't tell you when I left that room what she'd been talking to me about because it was just going over the top of my head because she mm. could not help me. What could she do to help me? She could not help mm. me. She hadn't experienced what I'd experienced, so how could she sit there saying that she knew how I felt because she didn't? And that's yeah. my main thing is talking to another woman that's had a fourth degree and has had the bowel incontinence, got the bowel incontinence, had to cope with all the injury with a new baby. That's who I needed to talk to. A lady trying to give me CBT that just, it just was, I was not in the right place to be wanting to talk to someone like that. And that's another thing mm. that I think the doctors are quick to sort of, um, either give you medication or say, yeah, have some counselling, but it's not it's like it's not specific counselling, is it? General counselling, you just can't cut it, can it? It's It's got to be specified for what you've been through. And that's how now is my time to shine now because I'm literally mm-hmm. doing everything. Like, you name it, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. My own recovery everyone else is recovering <laughs> i mean doing that daily mail article that caroline and i did was yeah. literally so out of our comfort zone and mm. momentarily we were a bit like oh no no, no i don't think i do it and then i thought no think of all the women that we can help yeah and the messages that i got um because obviously my instagram name was mentioned the messages i got from women are reduced me to tears some of the messages and it was it made it all worthwhile putting ourselves into a very um (laughs) a very difficult situation that we just didn't know what was going to come from it but it did it it just did so much good so i don't regret that one bit yeah that is yeah it's definitely amazing that you did that and i know there had to have been so many women who related to your story um yeah yeah i'm sure it has to be really hard um to receive all of those messages um it yeah it was but it, yeah it's it was sad it, it was good but it was also yeah. sad that um i'm not alone there are mm. so many of us and so you know and and, and i directed a lot your way and because people just don't realise that these things, these groups, these pages are available for right. for them. And and who even knew that there were organisations now, you know, like the OAC, who knew about that? Like, mm. like it's so good that that's b- become something that we've actually got a name for ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've been, you know, we've been, uh, you know, got an anal sphinx injury from childbirth and now it's got a proper, a proper name, which yeah. is putting, you know, it, it's, it's putting us sort of like, it's, it's the embarrassment has, has gone. Mm-hmm. I'm proud, not proud, yeah. but I'm, I'm proud <laughs> to say that 
that's what yeah. I've got. Right. I got it through having my baby, no fault of my own. And that's, you know, I mean, I've got an amazing baby, child, adult from it. And um, and when you say, oh, oh yeah, I'd do it all again, I'd do it all again to get him, of course I'd do it all again. And when I sometimes have the terrible days still, like when my injury is so bad and, and so painful and I'm just sitting and feeling sorry for myself and I just think, look what I produced. I have an amazing um, child uh, from from what happened and that's what keeps me going. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what keeps a lot of the, the mums going, isn't it? Well, thank you so much, Joe. That's okay. I hope it was okay. It was very yeah, um, yeah. I got a bit upset um, talking about it. Well, I couldn't stop coughing, <laughs> but um, oh, no, it's no. been really, it's been really good to to talk about it. Because, like I said to you before, so I've written my birth story down. I've written it loads of times. I've written mm-hmm. it to Emma. I've written it um, for all sorts of things, um, but I have not ever spoken it like I have now. Mm. Because, um, yeah, I just haven't really, the opportunity hasn't arisen. You know, I've skirted over a few bits, of course, to people. Right. But I've not really gone through the whole, the whole procedure, the whole thing like I have. And, um, yeah. and it has been um, very helpful to do that. Very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, good. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I know it's tough, but. Hopefully, yeah, it brings an extra level of healing for you. Definitely. It's all, it's all about the journey, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and I know it'll help a lot of people also. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mothers with Fourth Degree Tears podcast. If you have any comments or questions or if you would be interested in being a guest on our show, please email me at motherswithfourthdegreetears at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and hope to talk to you again soon.